Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called In the Wilderness, a study in the book of Numbers. We're learning how to live with courage and faithfulness on the journey through the wilderness. Thanks for joining us. So today we come to the last week in our series in the book of Numbers called Life in the Wilderness. So for the last time in this series, I want to invite you to open your Bibles or open your devices to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers is the fourth book in the Bible. So just start at the beginning and go four books in. You'll come to the book of Numbers. We're going to be in chapter 27. And while you're making your way there, just to catch us all up, Numbers is the continuing story of God's people. The Israelites, and and in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, The Israelites, God's people, were oppressed and imprisoned in Egypt for 400 years. And as the book of Exodus unfolds, God leads his people out of slavery toward the land that he promised them in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 15. And so throughout this rescue from Egypt, God chose to use a man named Moses to lead these people along with Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam. But instead of trusting God and walking into the land he promised, the people don't trust God. And the consequence of their disobedience is that their 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land turns into a 40-year wilderness experience. And it's in these stories in the wilderness that we've been studying for the last 10 weeks. And like the Israelites, this world is not our home. It feels like we're in the wilderness. We're in that land in between. We're headed towards the promised land, but we're not there yet. And this series has been so relevant to where we find ourselves today. As a reminder, if you're following on your notes, we are learning how to live with courage and faithfulness on the journey in the wilderness. How do we live with courage and faithfulness during this time? I want to invite you to turn your notes over for just a minute because what we've learned in this series over the last 10 weeks is that to live with courage and faithfulness in the wilderness, we, on June 14th, we saw that we live a life set apart. That's one way we live with courage and faithfulness. We allow God to guide us through his Holy Spirit. We live with contentment. Gratitude. We practice gratitude. We focus on God rather than our circumstances. We remember it's only by applying the blood of Jesus that we can be made pure and forgiven. We view faith as a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long obedience in the same direction. We look to Jesus for salvation and rescue. We just sang that. There is no other name by which we can be saved. And then last week, Steve taught on Balaam's blessing and taught us that we live with courage and faithfulness, knowing God will fulfill his purposes and his plans. He's sovereign and he's in control. And today we come to the end of the 40 years. Moses is about to die, but it wasn't the end of the story. There's about to be a transition in leadership, a passing of the baton that would continue God's story. And if you flip your notes back over, what I pray we can grasp today in our time together is that to live with courage and faithfulness in the wilderness, 
if you're following in your notes, we must have a next generation mindset. We have to. Would you read with me the two verses from the book of Psalms? They can be found in the first gray box in your notes or on your screen. The first is Psalm 102. Would you read that with me? It says, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. Did you ever think that we have God's word? One reason we have it is to pass on to future generations, those not even born yet, so that they can have the word of God. And then would you read with me Psalm 145? The psalmist says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. These verses remind us that God's story is not over. While numbers took place 3,500 years ago, we are still living God's story. If you're a follower of Jesus... You are part of something so much bigger than just your life and your faith right now. You are part of something. You are part of a tradition that has been passed down for thousands of years. If you're a follower of Jesus, at some point you have received the baton of faith. And now it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it. And today we need to be reminded This isn't new, but we need to be reminded if you're following in your notes that God's story is still not over. It will continue after us, and we have a role to play. We have a role to play. Jesus commissioned us in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20. It's called the Great Commission. Go make disciples. Go pass on your faith. Go pass the baton. We have a role to play. And so being courageous and faithful in the wilderness means caring not just about our journey, but the journey of others, particularly those who will come after us. So today we're going to learn from Moses and Joshua. And when I, when I think of this story, the image of a baton always comes to mind. Man, I love the Olympics. They were supposed to take place in Tokyo this year from July 24th to August 9th, finishing up just last week. One of my favorite sports to watch in the Olympics is track and field. Full disclosure here, I watch track and field once every four years. I don't run, I don't particularly like to run unless someone is chasing me. And I don't usually sit down on the couch on a weekend and say, man, I can't wait to watch this track meet. I just don't like track that much, but there is something about the Olympics and there's something about track and field in the Olympics. And if you pressed me hard on track and field, I'd say my favorite events are the relays, the one by four, the two by four, the four by eight, four people working as a team to accomplish the goal. And if you've ever watched a relay race, you know there are four runners. One will run the first leg, pass the baton. One will run the second leg and so on for four legs. And one of the most important things in a relay race is the baton pass or the handoff, passing it from one runner to the next. Not all baton passes are the best. Few are perfect. But if you don't make the baton pass, if you drop it, an entire team can be disqualified for the whole race. 
Now, that's an imperfect analogy to our faith. We aren't disqualified from following Jesus. We don't lose our salvation. But here's what I want us to embrace with this analogy. I want us to feel the magnitude of this baton pass. One author I read this week said this. If you're following in your notes, if you drop the baton during the handoff, it doesn't matter how well you ran your race. Man, this sentence shocked me back into reality. And I want to caveat that by saying it does matter how we run our race. This life matters. But if we only live for ourselves, right? If we only care about how we live or we only care about how we follow Jesus and we practice this personal, privatized sort of faith, we better believe our race is impacted. The baton pass is that important. I mean, think about this. What if Moses or Paul or Peter or even Jesus didn't pass the baton and they actually said, you know what, God, Um, I did my part. Um, I'll let the next generation figure it out on their own. I'm so thankful they didn't. They had a next generation mindset and we need to have a next generation mindset mindset too. And so as we begin to look at this baton pass from Moses to Joshua, we need to understand the relationship between Moses and Joshua because Moses didn't just get to the end of his life in Numbers chapter 27 and then choose to pass the baton. If you're following in your notes, this was not a last minute baton pass. Wasn't a last minute decision. We first meet Joshua on the pages of scripture in Exodus 17, fresh out of Egypt, cross the Red Sea. He's leading the Israelites in battle. He's already a leader, a young leader. Then in Exodus 24, verses 12 to 14, when Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God to receive the Ten Commandments, we're told Moses took his assistant Joshua with him. I've overlooked this before. This is fascinating to me. Where Moses went, Joshua went, even up the mountain. Moses gave Joshua the opportunity for experiential learning and showing Joshua what it looked like to follow God. If you're following in your notes, Moses devoted intentional time to apprenticing Joshua. It was intentional. It wasn't an afterthought. And the faith of Moses must have rubbed off on Joshua because the the most popular story of Joshua that we find outside of the book that's named for him in the Bible is in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 that we looked at in this series when 12 spies go into the land to assess what the land looks like, the promised land, and only two of them come back, Joshua and Caleb, and they say, we need to take the land. And Joshua uses words like, God will lead us. He'll give it to us. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. Moses' faith rubbed off on Joshua. And so throughout their time in the wilderness, Moses had been pouring into Joshua, helping him develop his faith. It wasn't a last-minute baton pass. The race had been run for years. If you're following in your notes, Moses and Joshua ran the race together for 40 years. 40 years of apprenticing, 40 years of discipleship. So knowing this background, 
knowing this is the relationship that we're talking about, let's look at Numbers chapter 27, beginning in verse 12, and what this baton pass looked like. We have a front row seat. I'll read verse 12 to 14. You can follow along in your Bibles. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abiram range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. When I give you an imagination for what this scene looked like, you can see on the screen a, a picture of Mount Nebo looking into the promised land. This is what Moses is looking at, the land God has promised him. And, and this is just, I don't know how Moses would feel in this situation because he's standing there looking at the promised land, knowing he would never enter it knowing he would die in the wilderness. And this, the reason for his death was reiterated here. We studied this as well in chapter 20. He and his brother dishonored the Lord as holy when they struck the rock at Meribah. And Moses' response in verse, verses 15 to 17 is amazing. Knowing that he's standing there looking at this, but he knows he can't get there. It's an amazing response. And I think if I was in Moses' shoes looking out, I, I could be bitter or disappointed or try to bargain with God. Like, God, if you just let me into that land, I'll do fill in the blank. But Moses had a next generation mindset. So would you read with me in the gray box on your notes or on the screen, verses 15 to 17. This is Moses' prayer. He says, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses instead of being bitter or bargaining or completely disappointed, he loved God's people. And he prayed for a leader that would shepherd them, a person who knew them by name, who loved them, who would care for them, a person who would lay their life down for them. Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 10, would you read this with me on your screen? These are beautiful words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is the leader that we can trust. These people needed Moses. We have a better Moses in Jesus. And I think Moses asked God to appoint a leader to succeed him because if you're following in your notes, Moses knew his race wasn't finished until he successfully passed the baton to the next generation. He knew his race wasn't finished. And guess who the Lord selected? He selected the person who had walked intimately with Moses and intimately with the God of Moses. I'll continue reading. You can follow along in your Bibles. Verses 18 to 21 tell us, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. 
Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will come in. This was a public commissioning. And I think it's, there's a twofold purpose for this. There's a public commissioning. So one, Joshua would know the baton was passed to him. He would know. And the people would know that the authority and leadership of Moses was being vested in Joshua as the next leader. And one important word that I noticed in these verses was the word some. The Lord said, give Joshua some of your authority. And what this little word makes clear is that Joshua's leadership will not be the same type as the leadership of Moses. As we pass on our faith, we're not making cardboard cutouts of ourselves. We're training, equipping, and preparing unique individuals with unique gifts and passions. And it's okay if they do things differently than we would do them. We give them some of our authority. Let me pause here for just a moment. I didn't know whether to include this or not, but I really feel like the Lord wants me uh, to say this. This teaching is primarily uh, for us older people to pass our faith on to the next generation. But if you're in the next generation in this room or online, I just wanna speak to you for a moment. I think it's really important for us to see this. Joshua didn't take this position on himself. He didn't put himself in this position. He didn't campaign for it. He didn't vie for it. He didn't lobby for it or politic for it. In Joshua, God found a person who loved him and served him with his whole heart. God found a person who trusted the promises of God. God found a person who was prepared and tested and proven and who was available to be used and God raised him up. God raised them up. Younger generations, if you want to serve the Lord and fulfill his purposes for your life, it's not so important that you find a position. It's important that you're faithful right where God has you and prepare yourself in his word and through prayer and in community for whatever God has for you in the days ahead. Live faithfully now and he will raise you up in the future. All right, I'll get off my soapbox and get back to being my older person here. So, and this baton pass concludes in verses 22 to 23 with Moses obeying what the Lord told him to do. You can read in your Bibles, verse 22 says, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. And what I love about this handoff, I love verse 23 that Moses came up next to Aaron, put his hand on his shoulder, laid hands on him and commissioned him. Now, I would love to have a record of the words that Aaron or Moses spoke over Joshua, but I'm guessing that Moses painted a picture for Joshua of how God wanted to use him. And he wanted to inspire his faith 
in the heart of this new young leader. I would have loved to see in that picture of Moses standing next to Joshua with his hand on his shoulder, commissioning him. And with this laying on of hands and this commissioning, the baton was passed. The transition in leadership has been made. And as homework this week, the Bible study's done, I would actually encourage you to go on and read the book of Joshua. There's some fantastic stories in there, but to see how Joshua relied on the Lord and his leadership. Why is this scripture important for us today? It's a great story. Why is it important? Because we are always one generation away from our faith not being passed on. One generation. If you're following in your notes, a next generation mindset is crucial if we are to pass on our faith. Crucial. I mean, look no further than the story of Joshua himself. He led the nation of Israel in the conquest of the promised land, the story of Jericho. In addition, he kept the people on track spiritually. In Joshua chapter 24, it tells us, Israel served the Lord in all the days of Joshua. However, it doesn't seem like Joshua apprenticed anyone to pass the baton to. Joshua led God's people for 30 to 40 years. But at the end of his race, even though he ran his race extremely well, the baton was dropped in the handoff. In Judges chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, these are the words recorded of the handoff after Joshua. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. A whole generation rose up and didn't know who God was. And so I've said this before, I want us to grasp the magnitude of the baton pass, the result of us not passing on our faith, the result of not passing the baton can have a ripple effect for generations. It's that important. And that's why we wanted to finish the series with this text. So let me end by providing the how. That's great, we know it. How can we get started in this? How do we cultivate this next generation mindset and culture? First, let me say, I believe we already do this here at Cherry Hills. It's one thing I'm really proud of. You give young people and young leaders opportunities to step into this and opportunities to fail, but we want to continue getting better at it. And so here's how we do it. The first thing to cultivate a next generation mindset Live set apart lives. Live set apart lives. Let's go back to week one in the series when Steve taught about the Nazarite vow. We live set apart lives. We live in such a way that a watching world knows we are followers of Jesus. I said it before, how we live now matters. It matters how we run our race. If our hope is to pass on our faith, then we need to have a faith that impacts how we live. The most important thing we can do is grow into the likeness of Jesus. Because if we aren't living in the way of Jesus, then there really isn't any compelling reason for the next generation to be interested. How we live now matters. So let me ask you, how are you doing at that? 
Are you living in such a way that your faith is compelling? I'm not talking about perfection, but are you living in such a way that following Jesus makes a difference in your life? If you've noticed you've slipped from that, let today be the day where you re-engage. Let this be the day where you once again begin spending time with Jesus to learn from Jesus, how to live like Jesus lives, spend time with him and in his word. If you're here this morning and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, or if you're joining us online and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I'm so thankful that you're here. Today can be the day you take the baton of faith from Jesus. If you're in the room with us, I'll give you some directions of how you can talk to somebody after this service. But if you are joining us online, I wanna encourage you, if you are ready to take that baton of faith from Jesus and follow him today, send an email. Send us an email to chc at cherryhillsfamily.org. We'd love to talk with you about this decision to follow Jesus and to receive the baton. The first thing to cultivate this next generation mindset is to live set apart lives. It matters. And then the second step is we pray. We pray. Ask this question today or this week. Who is my Joshua? Who are my Joshua's? I don't know who that's going to be for you. The answer to this question might be your kids. It might be your grandkids, your students, the athletes you coach, people in your small group, your neighbors, people you work with, kids in the children's ministry or students in middle school or high school ministry. Ask God this week to give you faces, to give you names of those in the next generation. Ask God how you can build into their lives. Pray. We have to pray. And then the third step to cultivate a next generation mindset. And we see these in Moses, by the way. He lived a set apart life. He prayed and then he acted. If you're following in your notes, we act. We don't just pray and leave it there and say, God, thanks for, thanks for meeting with me in prayer. If God gives us a face and gives us a name, we want to step into obedience and we want to act. Whoever it is you identify as Joshua, begin to have a next generation mindset with them. Begin praying for them. Begin spending intentional time with them. Have spiritual conversations. Talk about God's word with them. Model what it means to follow Jesus with them. As a parent studying this week, I was convicted again of the role I play in passing the baton of faith on to my boys. Parents, you are the best disciple makers in your kids' lives. You can do it. Invest in them and spend intentional time passing faith on to your kids. And I just want to say this, with schools going remote, almost all schools going remote this fall, I know it's difficult. We're there with you. We're in your shoes. But could it be that we have an opportunity to spend a little more time with our kids? And again, I know it's challenging. Trust me, we are ready for our kids to go back to school. But could it be that we have a little more time with them and it could help us intentionally build into them by talking about God's word or praying with them each day? And I'm not talking about hours, but how do we carve intentional time into this season? 
maybe God's given us an opportunity. And let me put this out there. If you don't have kids or you have grown kids, I've found a great way to pass our faith onto the next generation is to volunteer with the next generation. And so as we get back into the swing of things for ministry this fall, kids ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry, they need volunteers. They need volunteers that will pass their faith on to the next generation. And so I just wanna put this on the screen for a moment. If God's tugging at your heart and you might wanna build into the next generation, you can text right now CH volunteer to 94090. You'll be able to uh, determine whether that's kids or middle school or high school, but we need people. If we wanna be a church that sees every generation give themselves fully to Jesus and his mission, we need volunteers who will pass that faith on to the next generation. We'd love to talk to you about that. But whoever God reveals to you as Joshua, again, I don't know who that is. Step into intentional time with them. Act. Cherry Hills, we wanna be a church with a next generation mindset. And here's the truth. We can't do this in our own power. We can try as hard as we want and it doesn't ensure the next generation will accept the baton of faith. There's no formula. It's a matter of prayer and it's a matter of the Holy Spirit working. So this morning, we wanna close by singing a prayer found in number six. This is the heart of the father for his children and the blessing that he wants to give to his children. And so as we sing this morning, we can do two things at once. I pray that as we sing, let's receive this blessing ourselves and realize this is God's blessing to us. But then let's also sing these words as a prayer of blessing over the next generation. We can do those two things. We receive the blessing and then we pass it on. So I wanna invite you to stand right now as we sing this prayer together. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.